All right, ladies, welcome. So we're learning Tehillim, and uh, we're up to Pevav, 86. And uh, it's a famous chapter, if you pray every day, and you make it to the end of the prayers, right before the Shir Shel Yom, we say chapter 86, it's called Tefillah David. And it's a uh, it's an important chapter, and there's some very very uh, major major themes in this chapter, and uh, some of them come from the Hafiz Chaim, which we'll see inside, and there's other uh, pieces that come actually from the Kabbalah that we'll have to uh, we'll have to approach it as well. <clears throat> the chapter begins to Filale David. This is a prayer of David. It's questionable what the context of this prayer was. Was it written when he was running away from Shaul? Or was it running away from uh, his enemies, Doeg? David has his share of reasons why he would have to pray. He did not have an easy life. And uh, the rule of Tehillim is that we have to see ourselves through the chapters. So if it's Tefillah David, it becomes Tefillah Eliyahu. And it becomes Tefillah Sarah. It becomes all about Tefillah. We pray to God through... Uh, the mouthpiece of David. So he introduces his prayer, <coughs> this tefillah, He's asking God, uh, lend me your ears, as we would say in the uh, Havdil. Uh, Turn your ears to hear me. And he says, Because I am impoverished. I am a poor man. Now, David Amelech was not poor. Actually, he was the king, and he probably was very rich. And we know he's not lying either. So what does he mean when he says, <coughs> So, uh, just introduce a piece from the Zohar Kadosh, Zohar Hadash and Parashat Kitisa. So, uh, the Zohar Kadosh writes, because he did not have any life of his own. He only has what we would call borrowed time. He borrows the years that Adam Arishon gave to him. Uh, David was not supposed to live only for three hours. He was supposed to be born and then he was supposed to Die. That was God's plan. When Adam Rishon saw that, and he had a thousand years coming to him, Adam, so a thousand years is a lot, so he said, you know what, I'll donate 70 to, uh, to David's life. And therefore, we really say he lived on borrowed time. So what he says, um, I am impoverished, I have nothing of my own. I'm, I'm not even supposed to be here in the first place. So the fact that I'm here is already a chesed. The fact that Adam Rishon extended himself and gave me 70 years, eventually David would become Mashiach. And that's why they call Adam, Adam is Rashi Tevot, Adam is Adam. Adam, David, Mashiach. Because as a result of Adam, he gave 70 years to David, and ultimately David would become Mashiach. So David has nothing of his own. In the, in the Kabbalistic books, they talk about that a king uh, is not supposed to have any, anything of his own. He's supposed to be a reflection of God. Uh, it's like the, the moon. The king is compared to the moon. The moon has no light of its own. It receives the light from the sun. 
and therefore a king, if he has any ego, then he has something of himself. And then he's not worthy to be the king of Israel. The king of Israel has to be almost invisible, where he's just reflecting the light of God uh, to the people. The way the Zohar calls that is, let megarme kelum. Let megarme kelum means he has nothing of his own. And if you take the word melech, melech is actually the Rashi Tevot. Let megarme kelum. That the king has nothing of his own. As opposed to secular kings, secular kings have their glory, and they have their uh, egos, and they have their will, and all that, and they put the will of themselves on the people. The job of a Jewish king is, it's a theocracy. It's not to put their will onto the people, it's to put the will of God onto the people. So a Jewish king is more like a chief rabbi, if we would look at it like that. But it's not a, it's not a prestige uh, uh, position. And therefore, David Amalek is saying, uh, protect me, God, and answer me. First of all, I have no life of my own, and my life is not for myself. Being the king of Israel, my life is just to promote the kingdom of God. Shamiran nafshi. Shamiran nafshi means protect me. Now, there's a surprising line that you wouldn't think King David would say, but he says, I want you to protect me, ki hasid ani, because I'm a hasid. Wow. Uh, Hasid means somebody that does something more than is expected. Uh, a tzaddik is somebody that does something, letter of the law. Hasid is lifnin mishurat adin. He does above uh, the call. And David Amalek is saying, therefore God, even if I'm not worthy, but since I do more than I'm obligated to do, I'm a Hasid, I'm asking God that you should extend more than what the midat adin uh, calls for, and therefore you should answer me. Now the question is, what made David a Hasid? Well, I'm sure we could find 101 things that makes David a Hasid. I mean, he was, a, he was tremendous, tremendous uh, kadosh. But Rashi gives us one example. She'ani shomeya gidufi v'chirpati. I hear the people curse me and shame me. V'cholet biyadi lehinnakim. And I have every right and I have the ability to take revenge. V'ani shotek but I'm quiet. So therefore he says, <clears throat> I'm a Hasid in the sense that I don't take revenge on those that are uh, humiliating me. Davar Acher, this is from the Gemara Berachot, David HaMelech says, Velo Hasid Ani, am I not a Hasid? Shekol Malchem Mizrach Uma'arav Yoshvim Bechbodam, compare me to other kings. All the kings of the Goyim, of the East and the West, Yoshvim Bechbodam, they sit in glory, the secular kings, they wake up late and they sit on their thrones and everybody's serving them. He said, but not me. He says, says, my hands are filled with blood and with uh, embryonic uh, fluids and all uh, uh, different secretions in order that a lady should become permissible to her husband. Which means, uh, David, we would say, got, him, got his hands dirty, physically. Which means, when uh, the ladies would have questions in the laws of Nida, who would they come to with their questions? They would come to David. And you might have thought, uh, is this, uh, this, you know, might be beneath the dignity of a king that he should get involved with this uh, type of uh, work. Maybe let some uh, you know, rabbi in the kolel deal with this. You expect that to say, well, I'm the king of Israel. You want me to start uh, 
dealing with your uh, your questions in Hilchot Nida, go to the yeshiva. But David, I was a Hasid. That not only wasn't I was I interested in not going after my own glory, but in order to allow shalom bayit between husband and wife, I involved myself in these what would we call them less than appetizing rulings. And he got upset. So that makes him a hasid because he did more than uh, than others. The Gemara says another thing that made David a Hasid. He said that um, all the kings of the east and the west, they wake up at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning. And they need their beauty sleep. But David Melech says, and me, I wake up at the crack, not the crack of dawn, at the crack of midnight. David Melech would be up at midnight every night and he would be reading his Tehillim and praying for the uh, building of the Beit HaMikdash. And studying Torah. And he would learn from uh, Hatzot. So the first Kolel Hatzot actually was uh, run by David Amelik. So he says, am I not a Hasid? He says, I'm a king. Kings usually sleep on, uh, you know, satin sheets in their pajamas. They don't wake up till 8 o'clock and have breakfast in bed. And me, I don't sleep at all. I sleep a few few minutes and then I'm up at uh, midnight and I'm praying. So therefore that's what makes David a, uh, a Hasid. Uh, it's interesting I saw from uh, a rabbi called the Hazon Ish. He says that the things that David specifically pointed out that make him a Hasid were in the realm of his kingdom. I'm a Hasid that I wake up in the middle of the night and learn Torah. And I'm a Hasid that I'm not like other kings that don't get their hands dirty, but I'm uh, involved in you know, this, uh, this business of Tarat HaMishpacha. Why did he pick two things in the realm of, uh, the realm of uh, kingdom? So I saw from the Hazunish, he says from the Me'idi, that you're only a Hasid if you do something more than your father did. What I mean to say is like this. If you were brought up in a house where your father had a certain standard and you just adopt that standard, that's, that's considered standard to you. That's not considered Hasid. That's the way you saw your father do. And therefore, even though in other families that, that might be considered above and beyond, but if that's the level you were brought it, born into, that's considered regular level. Now David has a problem, a good problem, because his father was Yishai. And Yishai never sinned. And Yishai was a tremendous Hasid. So whatever David's going to do, it's really not Hasid, it's par for the course, because that's the way he was brought up. So therefore nothing that David could say will make him a Hasid because he's, he's, he's just following his father Yishai, who was the ultimate Hasid. But there's certain things that Yishai could not be a Hasidin. And that is things that are related to the kingdom. Because Yishai wasn't a king. So that's what David Melech has to say. Well, you're right. Anything else I'm going to do in life is considered, you know, we, we wouldn't expect anything else from you. But when it comes to what I did as a king, that you can't say I learned from my father. Because my father wasn't a king. So therefore, the Gemara uses those examples. Hosha Avdecha. Therefore, he asks for, uh, for salvation. Ata Elohai, you God, haboteyach elecha, to the one that puts his faith in you. Honeni Adonai, God, honeni. Honeni usually means do it for free. Honeni comes from Lashon, hinam. Hinam means for free, which means I don't ask that you should answer because I have any uh, uh, or he's saying, and if I don't have any merit, do it because you are merciful. Honeni Hashem, ki elecha ekra kolayom. This is beautiful. 
Because to you, I will call all the day. What it sounds like the Vinamilech is saying, answer me. And if you answer me, I will pray to you in the future all day. Hold it. If God answers him, then actually he doesn't have to pray anymore. He could stop praying. So why does he make an ultimatum as if, Honeni uh, Hashem, and you know what's going to happen if you're Honeni? Ki elecha ekra kolayom. Because I will in the future pray to you all day long. Again, that, if he gets answered, that should only be a reason for David to have to close the Sidur and stop praying. Why does he say, if you answer me, I will pray all day long? So I saw a beautiful explanation. Sometimes God deprives the Sadiqim from what they need because he loves to hear their prayers. Remember the Avot and the Imahot. The mothers, our forefathers, they were barren. Why did God make Sarah childless? Not because he wants her to be childless, but he loves her prayers. The prayers of the Tzaddik are so, you know, beautiful, the way they connect to God. So therefore God says, if I give them what they need, they'll stop praying to me. I love to hear their prayers. So therefore David is saying a very clever line here. That God, if the whole reason why you're not answering me is because you want me to continue praying, so I pledge to you, Honeni Adonai, even after you answer me, Ki eleka ekra kolayom, I will still pray to you the whole day. Meaning, I won't stop praying. And therefore, you know, you won't have a problem of losing those beautiful tefillot. I promise you that even after I get the response, there will still be a, uh, there will still be tefillot. Beautiful. Sameyach nefesh avdecha, Please bring joy to your servant. He calls himself the servant. Ki elecha Adonai nafshi esa. And again, and in the future I will still call out to you, which is the same theme as the, the last pasuk. Ki ata Adonai tov v'salah. Because God, you are indeed tov v'salah. You are a good God and you are a forgiving God. David HaMelech was issue, had an issue over there. He needed forgiveness. David Melch had an issue with Bathsheba. It's a long story. Uh, and it's not as it sounds. It sounds like Bathsheba was married. But she really wasn't. And it sounds like that David went with Bathsheba when she was married. Which sounds like adultery. But it really wasn't. And one day, if I have the time, I can explain you the story. It's not for now. But on David's high level, it was something that he should have been a little more uh, careful, let's say. It's not a sin as a federal crime, but if you're David Melech, you have to act on a more careful level. The Kabbalah says anybody that says David sinned in the raw sense of the word is making a big mistake, but David needed kapara uh, for that. So he says, You are the God that is good and forgiving. And you do... Uh, excessive kindness uh, to all that called to you. And therefore, please God, listen to my prayer and listen to all my supplication. Beautiful. Next pasuk. This is a, a, a pasuk that we have in the Rasha. On the day of my trouble, I will call out to you. And what will God's response going to be? Kita'aneni. And I'm confident that God will answer me. Now the Benish Chai says something beautiful. Beyom tzarati, on the day of my trouble, ekra'eka. What does ekra'eka mean? I will call out to you. Now, I don't know if you know this. Ladies know it better than the men. 
that God forbid if there's a crisis in the community or a person has a personal issue, there's certain key chapters of Tehillim that you're supposed to say. One of the main chapters that we say in trouble is chapter Chaf, chapter 20. And the way that chapter reads is, Lam mizmor le David, ya'ancha Adonai b'yom sarah, that's the, that's the go-to chapter when you're in trouble, when, some, not, you know, when somebody's in trouble. And therefore, the Beni Shai says beautiful, in the time of my trouble, so he learns it, can be split up into two words, I will read chapter 20. It's almost as if David HaMelech is tipping you off, that listen, I wrote the book, when you're in trouble, Go to chapter half and you'll and kita uh, aneni and you'll get you'll get response because at the end of that chapter what does it say Adonai Oshia Hamelech Yaanenu beyom Korenu that God will bring us redemption and He will answer us. Now regarding this, there is a fantastic Hafetz Chaim, and this I brought the book because you have to hear it. This is fundamental. You have to hear his words. I don't want to ruin it in my own paraphrasing. And he writes it on this pasuk. He says, Even though it's, it's known, We can't question God's ways. Even though a lot of times we don't understand God's ways. And the way he behaves with us. God's always right. And his ways are, are just. So now the question is, well, if God's ways are just and right, so then are we allowed to pray to have a better situation? Or are we supposed to say, well, God knows what he's doing. God doesn't make mistakes. <coughs> And if this is what he dealt me, so that's uh, that, that what must be the best uh, for me at this moment. Therefore, maybe we're just supposed to go to God and say, I'm okay with everything. And the guy's getting uh, clobbered. And he just has to say to God, Or are we allowed to pray to get out of trouble? Well, you see from this pasuk over here, David Amelech, when he was in trouble, he said, In the time of my trouble, Ikra Eka. I called upon you for what? For mercy. So the Rav says over here, the Adraba Matsinu Biketuvim Shia Kadosh Baruchu Baatsmo Meorer Le Adam Shiesader Ta'anotav Vitsarotav Lefanav. God wants you to come to him and tell him your problems and tell him what's bothering you and tell him your your your, your troubles. That's what Hashem wants to hear. It's almost as if maybe the problem is presented so you'll come to God and talk to him. He says, even in our days, now Fitzheim is talking uh, the 1920s maybe. He says, in the country that we're living in, we're suffering from a lot of government rules. So what happens? The custom we have today, you have a bunch of uh, um, people that are advocates for the Jewish people. And they, we send um, people to the government to speak to the officials for us 
in order to have mercy. He says, just like in a regular government, when the kingdom is going against us, what do we do? We send uh, agents to go advocate on our behalf. And we go and we pressure them and pressure them until they take the decrees off. We have a lot of problems today. The tr- troubles are getting bigger every single day. So we got to go to the government. Who's the government? God. Let's how he talks. We have to have a conversation with Hashem. You have to talk to Hashem like you were talking to a, to, to, to a friend where you just want to unbridle yourself from all your troubles. You have to talk to Hashem like you're talking to, uh, to, to a confidant and you have to just reveal to Hashem all that bothers you and all that worries you and all the pressures. That, it's almost as if this is therapy and the therapist is God and you have to just come clean and just say to God all of your troubles. God is a merciful kingdom, a king. And don't stop and don't be silent until he gives you an answer. He will listen. He will listen, but he's going to give you a secret now. God desires. God says, I don't understand. Why aren't they talking to me? Why don't they come to me? Why don't they tell me? Their because we say, well, you know our problems. But God says, no, no, no. But I'm doing it so you talk to me. I want you to come to me and reveal it. Anytime there's a, a trouble that a person is going through, like it says in the Midrash, take words for Shuvu Hashem. Of course, the Jewish people say, in the older days when the people would sin, they bring a korban and they get kapara. So we come to God and say, We have no korbanot today. So what does God say? I ask for korban. I ask for words. Just bring words. I, I'm asking. I'm not asking for service of the temple. I'm asking for lip service. Come and talk to me. And So then we come to God and say, but we don't know what to say. So God says, You're not a cry? Yeah, good. That's all I want. Come to me and cry and shed some tears and pray to me. Do you forget your fathers when they were in Egypt? When your fathers were in Egypt, they had no korbanot. What got them out of Egypt? They screamed out to God. And they, by the way, and they didn't have official tefillot in those days. They didn't have a sidur. They didn't have a tehillim book. They just cried out in their own language. Didn't I make miracles for them? I'm not asking for sacrifice. And the Midrash says, God's not looking to incriminate his people. He's just trying to get them to the table so they'll pray. Listen to this. And even if you think you're not worthy, person might say, I'm not a tzaddikit, I'm not a tzaddik, I'm come to pray to God, I'm not worthy. So he says, that makes him worthy. So you shouldn't think that prayer is merit-based. 
Therefore, you say, well, you know, if I was a tzaddik, like who knows? Guess what? The Jews in Egypt were on the 49th level of Tum'ah. They were not on such a high level of tzaddikut. But when they cried out to God, he answered them. He says, bottom line, all these troubles that are coming upon us, we're not getting saved. Means because we're not praying hard enough. And we're not praying hard enough, and that's why we're not getting the results. If we would pray enough, we would have again siyah, conversation with Hashem. Look at these languages of the Habit say, Bevadai. Bevadai means certainly. But now he reveals the secret. Because all of you are saying, I don't understand what this man is saying. I pray every single day, Rabbi. I pray the Amidah. I haven't missed the Amidah since I was 14 years old. Uh, and I'm not getting results. So he reveals the secret. And this is the classic of Fetz Chaim. It's well known, but it, it was said here. We're not talking about the Amidah. This is not the Amidah that you pray three times a day. We're not talking about that. If you think that this is talking about the Amidah, that's where your mistake is. We're talking about when you're alone and nobody's around and you just start talking to Hashem in your own language, in your own speech, in your own text. Not in the Amidah. And you're praying from, and you're talking from the depths of your heart. Look at what a realist he is. He's saying, I'm sorry to tell you, the three tefilot of the Amidah, they have become mechanical. They have become routine. Oh, Got to pray the Amidah. It's a, it's a, it becomes a, almost something that we are uh, used to. And therefore it loses that, uh, that sensation of freshness and newness and Look at that. And we really don't pay attention to the Amidah so much because it turned into, uh, you know, got to pay the tax, got to pay the Amidah. But when a person's alone and he doesn't have, he's not forced to pray the text of the Amidah that already was fixed. Now you can talk to God in your own words. Now you can say things that the Amidah maybe doesn't have. And you're able to not be limited to the 19 berachot. And you say, oh, I'm looking at all these berachot, I don't find what I need in here. Okay, but you have to say it anyway. Now nah, you can sit alone in your car driving. And nobody, you ever see the people in their car when they have the mask on in their car, they're alone? What do you mean your mask on? the car? He's worried from the radio, maybe. I know he's worried about it. But the point is, so when you're in your car, when your car, I'm not saying to wear a mask in your car, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you can pray in your car, you can pray, nobody knows what you're doing, that's you're on the phone, you're talking, then everybody has a Bluetooth, then I'm talking, and they say, well, who's he talking to? Nothing, he's talking to, he's talking to Hashem, and they don't know that. These are, these are private times, there's nothing like when a person has to drive a couple of, uh, couple of hours, you're alone, that's it, you don't have to turn on the radio, turning on the radio is a waste of time, take advantage, the, 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 the Hasidim, they call this Hitbodedut. The big, you know, Hasidic masters, they would uh, 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 promote that you should take time every single day, you know, the forests where you can connect to nature and you don't have any, you know, uh, distractions far away from the city and just cry and thank Hashem and talk to Hashem and 
it's, he said that, and the Sadiqim of the Hasidic movements talk about how it's just so uh, refreshing when you do this. It's like the greatest uh, exercise that you could do, and you feel, uh, you know, uh, uh, close to Hashem, and you'll crave it after a while. You, those moments that you spend every day with Hashem alone uh, becomes the, the highlight of your day and the highlight of your life. And we always thought that it's, you know, if you were a Breslov, you know, go to the, go to the forest and, uh, and, 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 do your, and do your thing. Turns out, the Hafez Haim, who was not a Breslova, is basically saying the same thing. He's just not saying it, you know, with all the, you know, uh, you know, the Hasidic trimmings to it. But he's saying basically take time a day and put the Amidah on the side. Not, not don't say the Amidah, put it on the side. That's good. But do your own thing. And then I actually found it in Rabbi Moshe Haim Lutzato. The author of the Mishidah Isharim also says the same thing in the chapter called Zehirut, Awareness. Take time alone and be mitbodeh. I think he actually says the word, mitbodehdut. Take time alone and take stock of yourself and just, you know, talk to Hashem. So this is a very, very, uh, very important item. People think to themselves, but I pray. Yeah, but do you pray outside of the three tefillot? Well, not really. Why should I? Uh, I didn't know that's an obligation. Well, it's not an obligation, but if you want effect and you want results, the results usually come from the those extra. The Gemara says in Berachot, in the name of Rabbi Yohanan, Adam kolo. I, I hope, I wish people would just pray all day. Pray all day. We have rules. Shahid is Shahid, Menhaz, Menhaz, pray all day. He means pray the official tefillot, but in between, there's definitely moments where you're able uh, to pray. And then he writes, kazu. Here you go again. Third time he says it. And a tefillah like this, Bevadai lo when a person's down and out on his situation, everybody has situations that they're down and out on, and he might even be a little depressed, and he comes to God, this is the key that the people, when they say over this, which I always heard this from the Hafez Chaim, but this is the part they forget. Because there's one more ingredient. Ingredient number one is, it should be done outside the Amidah. Okay, that one we all heard. But then he says, and when you're doing it, you have to add this to the tefillah for it to be effective. He writes, You have to remember also the pain that Hashem is going through. Don't just come to God and, you know, reveal all the pain that you have. You must also uh, empathize with the pain that Hashem is going through. And what does it mean? When you're in pain, Hashem's in pain. So therefore the prayer is, Hashem, it pains me to be in pain, but it pains me as well that you're in pain because I'm in pain. When a father sees the child in pain, the father's, uh, the father's going crazy. The mother can't sleep at night because she sees the child's in pain. So God, who's much more merciful than a human parent. So therefore we say to God, well, one reason why you should answer us is because it's putting you in, in, inside. And it bothers us that our troubles causes you trouble. And then already once you're going there, you should pray for the Galuta Shekhinah. Shekhinah is in exile, so you should pray for God for that as well. And then already sit back and do that again a couple of times a day. And put that as part of your routine. And also, the tzaddikim say, it's a moment to show gratitude to Hashem for all that He gave us. That's also part of the process. And then, so, to, what is Abed Saim saying over here? 
that don't think that we have to be, uh, uh, but the horn doesn't say that, oh, if Hashem is giving it to you, so don't pray, don't pray to get out of it. Just, uh, just uh, open your hands and say, Toda Rabbah. No. That maybe God is doing it, which means when Sarah Emir didn't have children, what did she do? She prayed. Why didn't she say, She doesn't want to have children, and therefore, I'm okay, I won't have children. And therefore, no, she prayed. What was she praying for? Because she wanted to have children. So therefore, don't, Habet Sahim is saying, you shouldn't think that if that's what's happening to you, that praying is doing something sacrilegious. Because I'm, I'm what? I'm, I'm going against what Hashem thinks is the best for me? He's saying, no, maybe that's why Hashem put the person in that situation in order to bring him closer. So it turns out his trouble is actually the greatest thing that ever happened because it created a connection with God. When somebody comes over and says, yeah, I went through a hard time, but there was a silver lining. During the hard time, it reconnected me with Hashem. I started to pray and I started to talk to him. I started to, uh, and therefore, it, it took this to get me closer, but there was a, there was a benefit. And that's, that's what the Habet Sahim is saying. So remember that... Uh, that might be one of the most important Habet Sahims we've read uh, in a long time. And, that, and he's building it from this Pasuk over here, Pasuk Zayim. And there's one more piece that I must bring to your attention. We're going to get to it now. Okay, there's nobody like God. There's nobody like your, your ways. Okay. He's talking about what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. There's going to become a great realization. Uh, all the Goyim are going to come and serve God. Like we say in Alenu Shabayah. At that time, they're going to serve you and they're going to bow to you. That's going to be in the future. God, you are great. You do wonders. And you are alone. Now, what does that mean? Well, God is alone. Uh, he's alone. There's one God. What does that mean? That God does wonders and he's great and he's alone. So the explanation they say is that when did God become when did God become king? So I'll, I'll, I'll say the point. A normal king cannot become king until he has subjects. Who, who are you the king over? Because a king is, is, is subject to subjects. And until there's subjects, then what are you a king over? The difference is God. God is not dependent on anybody for his greatness. His greatness is within. It is intrinsic. It is from himself. We say every day in the prayer, Adon Olam, Asher Malach, Master of the world, that you became the king. When did you become king? Beterem kol yesid nivra, before anybody was created. Before, Beterem kol, Beterem means before yesid nivra, before the people were created, you were Adon Olam, Asher Malach. Because God is intrinsically a king. The greatness of God is not, we made him king by saying, you're our king, we accept you. God says, even before you were there, I am king, because God is God. Understand the point? God does not need others to make him great. He is great on his own. And that's what the Pasuk is saying. Ki gadol ata You are great and you do wonders. Ata Elohim lebadecha. And you don't need us. You're alone. You're Therefore, David prays, 
Horeni Hashem Darkecha, please guide me Hashem, show me the way, Horeni, show me the right way, so I can go in the right, truthful way, it's interesting prayer, uh, David is praying that he should be uh, shown the right path, and he's praying that his heart should be uh, drawn to Yirat Shamayim, it seems you could pray for that, even though there's a general rule that says, Fear of God and religious service is not God's business, it's your business. I could be the Shamayim. Hutzmi Rachamayim. And here David Amilik is praying for Yirachamayim. And God should answer him. Well, I, I don't get involved in Yirachamayim. That's your business. But we're learning from over here that it's my business to pray for what I want to pray for. And David Amilik chooses to use his free will to pray, not for money and not for glory, but he's praying for Yirachamayim. So that's a. A, uh, an example of using his free will. So therefore it's not Bideshamayim, it's Bide Adam to pray for these items. And when I get the results, I of course thank you, Hashem. That's the key. I won't forget it. And I'll bring you honor forever. Uh, your kindness is great upon me. You have saved me from the depths of Gehinam. That's referring to you didn't send me to Gehinam after the sin with Batsheva. Elohim zedim kamu alai. God, uh, enemies have come upon me. Badat arisim influential rich people that had power wanted my life. And they didn't uh, have you in front of them. They had no fear of God, these people. They did not put you in front of them and uh, they went against me even though they knew that I was a servant of God, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't think of that. Now we get to the pasuk that I came to talk about today. <laughs> what is the introduction for this pasuk? This is a major, major item. These are all names of God. You are El, you are Rahum, you are Hanun, you are Erech you are Hesed, and you are Emet. This pasuk over here needs to be explained, and I found an explanation. There's a sefer that I don't think you're familiar with. It's called Share Ora. Share Ora was written by a rabbi called Rav Yosef. It's a book on Kabbalah. The rabbi lived in the 1200s. So this is this old book. Uh, what? 800 years old. He lived in Spain. Sfaradi. And he was a student of one of the great Kabbalists of his time, Rabbi Abraham Abul Afia. Um... Recently, I studied some of the works of Rabbi Abraham Abul Afia. Why? Because uh, over the last month, I found myself uh, on a trip in Malta, an island in the you know off Italy, and uh, Rabbi Abraham Abul Afia lived in Malta, so uh, it gave me a chance to you know I wanted to see the place where this Sadiq was born. Well, not born where he studied Torah actually, and he wrote a lot of his books. He had yeshivas, this Rabbi Abraham Abul Afia had a yeshiva 
to teach students how to become prophets. <laughs> you know, like you have, uh, I don't know what, uh, school to teach you how to become a carpenter or how to become uh, an electrician or a plumber. That's nice. But imagine you go to school and become a prophet. Well, Abraham Abu Afia would have, he wrote a handbook and we have the book. You know, prophecy. Uh, you know, it's for everybody. And you could learn how to be one. Um, I read the book. I'm still not a prophet. So obviously, it, it, what's it called? I, 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 have to, I forgot the name of the book. I'll, I'll Google it. Abraham Abu Afia on prophecy. He wrote a couple of books on it. But his main student was Rabbi Yosef Kiktilia. And he writes a book called Shade Ora. And it's 10 chapters. And basically the book is, I don't want to say a dictionary, because that would, that would minimize it. But he explains 300 Kabbalistic terminologies, mainly different names of Hashem, explains the name, how they're used, when they're used, what, they, uh, what, what, what the function is. And the Arizal writes that this is a major work Arizal comes much later. Arizal is in the 1600s. This is from the 1200s. And he writes that Sha'arero has a major work in order to understand the fundamentals of Kabbalah. Of Chaim Vital quotes it, the Baal Shem, of all the greats, they all uh, refer to Sha'arero. Uh, so it's an esoteric book. This is not a book that you pick up, you know, uh, you know. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon, you just want to read something and you open up and read Shadeira over a cup of coffee and have some, uh, some uh, you know, uh, coffee cake with it. No, it's a, it's a heavy book. This is studied after you went to the McVeigh and after you have a lot of years of experience how to learn these books. It's deep. But there's one piece over here that we can read together. And then you could put in your resume, I learned the chapter of Shadeira. And the big cap was, well, you're a lady. Well, how did you ex- who exposed you to this Shadeira? Tehidim class, and not that we were looking to become uh, Kabbalistim uh, or Kabbalistot. Uh, we did it because he explains the Pasuk. We're looking to become fluent in Tehilim. And he's the one that offers the interpretation of chapter 86, Pasuk 15. So that's where we got to go. I'm reading Sha'ar Zayim. It's going to take about 15 minutes to read the piece together. And that's exactly the time we have, so we're lucky. And if it takes 16 minutes, it's going to take 16 minutes. That's fine also. Hashem HaShivi'i. Meshemot HaKodesh. The seventh major name of God. Hushem Nikra El. It's the name of God, Aleph Lamed. Like we would say, Kel. I have to teach you the secret how this name is used and what it means. When you understand the function of it, then you'll understand whenever you see this name, what's going on. This is the major name of Hashem that emanates from chesed, from kindness of God. There's some names that are representing judgment. You have to be careful. When you see a name that represents judgment, you run for your life. But when you see El, you know it's coming from the most benevolent, the most kind, the most merciful place. And who was the uh, tzaddik 
that was the chariot, was the vehicle that brought down this midah from heaven. Who sod hamidah ashir yarash Avraham Avinu? Avraham is the one that connects us and his descendants to the Shem El. As the Pasuk says on Avraham, Vayikrasham Beshem Adonai El Olam. You'll see by Avraham many times, whenever he's referring to God, the Shem El is used. Now he says, Sarikh Ataladat, you must know. That there's courts. The courts in heaven are called Sanhedrin. Just like the courts on earth are called Sanhedrin. And in, in, in Kabbalistic names, they're called Elohim Emet. Elohim is God's name of judgment. And he says that there are 310 camps of these judgments, judges that are flying around the world to execute and bring judgment upon people, whether it's good judgment or bad judgment. 310. Which means, to the Rishayim, they execute bad, and to the Tzadikim, they bring... Blessings. It's interesting to point out, there's 310 judges. Our rabbis always talk about the reward of the tzaddikim being shai olamot, 310 worlds. And there must be a connection between the 310 judges and the worlds that they bring to the tzaddikim. But then he says, Oh, when these 310 judges are let loose to bring judgment into the world... Then they can wreak havoc. They can cause a lot of trouble to the people that are guilty. Sholelim, bozezim, potzim, negaim, cholaim, they're filled with all, all the troubles that can befall a person. And they got the list, they got the names. And therefore their job is to, shalom, to deliver. Now everything is be'emetu be'emuna, everything is, you know, only because they got the, the call from above. They can't do more. It's not like, oh, uh, they're attacking me. Maybe they're doing more than I'm supposed to get. No, no, they're very specific. They give exactly what the person is supposed to have. That's why it's called Elohim Emet. It's judgment, but it's Emet. It's not just like chaos where you say, oh, I think you hit me an extra time. No, no, no we, we hit you exactly as many times as it says on the paper. Now, that's the bad news. <laughs> not the good news. Above all these 310 uh, uh, prosecutors, Yoshevit Midata Rahamim. There's the measure of mercy. Hagimura, pure mercy, raw mercy. She'en din that has no mixture of judgment at all. It's just mercy without reason. It's just mercy without any judgment or negative at all. It's, it, it's mercy to a fault. It's just kindness no matter what. Listen to this. If you can connect to that midah, 
Even if the people are unworthy, and even if they don't deserve Rahamim, if you connect to that Midah, it just gives out freebies. Who does that sound like? Which human does it sound like on earth? Abraham Abinu. Abraham was the most non judgmental man that ever lived. You came to his house, you worshipped Avodah Zarah, you were a bad guy, you're not worth anything, you're a zero. And what does he do? Gives him the red carpet. Free food, free dirashah, free drink, free lodger. What did the guy do to you, Abraham? Did he pay you? No, I don't want any payment. So Abraham, through his misirut nefesh of living the life that he did, was able to bring down this midah of mercy even for those that are unworthy. That's, we could think Abraham, if that midah reaches us, it's almost as if you needed Sadiq to connect to it. And now that, that we have a connection to the midah, we could benefit. We, we are not able to bring this midah down. We have a father called us. So whenever we mention Abraham, we're saying Abraham and your contribution of bringing midah el. He says, and they knew how to attach. They knew the Wi-Fi code. Amazing. There were certain Sadiqim, when they saw the trouble coming down, they typed in the code El, and they were able to connect to El, and they were able to direct their prayers toward that energy of mercy. And uh, the 310, whenever they see El, they run away. Look at the next paragraph. Veda. I don't know what he means by this, but he says it's actually 10% of the 310. What's 10% of 310? 31, which is Gematria El. El is 31. I'm not too sure what the connection means that it's 10% of the, of the negative angels, but that's, that's what he writes. But then he says, When the 310 come to destroy, and they destroy because they're worthy to get destroyed. Because already the heavenly court deemed it so. If there's a tzaddik living in the world, that can connect to that midah called El, he said, He's able to bring it out from its hechal, from its place, and becomes revealed. When the 310 angels, groups of angels, see the midat el, they run for their lives. That means the mercy is so strong that the judgments cannot tolerate it. They either run away, or they get scattered, or they hide. And whatever they had on the docket to do that day, it's cancelled. And everybody has another day to, uh, to live. And when the Midav Rahamim reveals itself, when that Midah is out, they not say, we're, we're, we, we can't do anything. They only are able to execute when Midat El is not around. But once Midat El comes, they understand, they take their cue, time for us to exit. Stage, uh, stage left, finish, we, we got to leave. It's El time. Velo lahazik, velo lahareya, leshum b'riya shibah olam. 
כי כבר הופיעה מידה נקלט אל. And he says, again, Da'abin, you must know, and he was probably one of these rabbis, Ki be'et ha'tsarot, at the time of trouble, hayu kedoshim v'chasidim, there was a lot of kedoshim and chasidim, righteous rabbis, memaharim lehitpalel, they would pray, and they knew how to bring this midah down to the world. And that's why. This is something we can apply now to tomorrow morning's prayers. On Monday and Thursday, as well as in Yom Kippur, we say the 13 attributes of mercy. El, Rahom, Vahanun, El, Echapayim, which we're going to see now. But how do we begin the 13 attributes of mercy? El, Melech, Yoshev, Al, Kiseh, Rahamim. We refer to God as El, Melech, Yoshev, Al, Kiseh, Rahamim. Because we're asking God that the Shem El should be revealed. We're not worthy. And God forbid, if the judgments are upon us, you're El Melech. And the El, which is God's representation of total kindness in the world, no matter what, we're asking God, activate Shem El for us. That's a very important Kabbalah. People skip over that line very quickly in the first. No. El Melech Yosef God, you are the El. That's a, a very, very special name. And also, God is referred to in the Amidah. El Elyon. El Elyon. What does that mean? If you remember, Abraham Abinu, at a certain point in his life, he's blessed by the king of, of, of Yerushalayim, Malkit Tzedek. He says, Baruch Avram le El Elyon. He blesses Abraham to El Elyon. Why? He writes, Abraham worked his whole life to attain this midah. And I don't know what he had to do to, to get it, but he writes, He had to work for it even to get affliction. He was thrown into a fire. It seems that to connect to this midah, you got to pay for it. It became Yerushat Olam. It became his item. And therefore, whenever we say, Zichut Avot, what's a Zichut to be related to Abraham? What's Zichut related to Abraham? He brought me that ill. If you're connected to Abraham, now the next time you go to the Ma'arat HaMachpelah, you go to Abraham Abinu. So, oh, Abraham Abinu, you're the one there. I need mercy. I need God. Or the next time you say, Na'amida Elohe Abraham. When you say, Elohe Abraham, you have to understand his contribution. He was the one that was able to push away all the midot and all the, the troubled. Vinei Abraham, what does it say? Abraham zaken. Vahashem berachet Abraham makol. He got everything. Because no judgments in heaven could stop the goodness from coming to Abraham. Because once already he has midat el, <laughs> everything has to come to him. Whether you're worthy, whether you're not worthy. He had no prosecutors. Nobody questioning. Everything was there for his taking. On the contrary, the judgments would run away from him. And that's what we say, Chesed Abraham. Chesed Abraham means Abraham, not that he did Chesed. Of course, that's what he did. But means the chesed was, he received chesed. It's a new way of learning. 
Chesed means he was the receptacle of Chesed. He was the, 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 the channel that Chesed came down to him. And as a result, Chesed comes through him to the rest of the world. A simple example. When Sarah gave, got pregnant, and then she was nursing the baby, what does it say? All the Akarot, all the ladies in the world at the time that were infertile, conceived with Sarah. How's that happen? Because since they're the channel of El, once they are connecting and bring the Berachah down, the Berachah comes through them to the rest, even those that weren't worthy. Abraham was worthy to have a child. He prayed for 190 years between him and his wife. But all these other Rishayim that got babies, where'd that come from? Midat El. And therefore, Henika Barim Sarah. When Sarah nursed her baby, she nursed all the babies in the neighborhood. They were all, everybody gave birth with Sarah. That's what the benefit of having the tzaddik, Abraham, who was able to benefit not only himself, but the world. And we're his children. Okay, now he says, I need two minutes now. I teach you a big lesson. Which is exactly this Pasuk. David Amelik says, He learns it like this. Simlib. He says, That what I told you about El. He says, The Midav El, which is ultimate mercy. It shines through the Midah of Rahum. Sometimes it'll shine through the Midah of Hanun. Sometimes it shines through the Rav Chesed. Sometimes it shines through Emet. Sometimes through Erech I'll explain what that means. All these words that we said, Rahum, the Hanun, Erech the Rav Chesed, the Emet, are all manifestations of El. Now let's see how he explains. Let's say, God forbid, there's a judgment on the world that should come to great loss. So now, all of a sudden, God forbid, the judgment, so then people are going to lose a lot. What happens? The Midat El is activated by the Tzaddik, or by us. And that activates the Midat called Rahum. Rahum means what? Mercy. And has mercy on those people. And what happens? When the Midat comes out, that means, Midat El causes Rahum. What does Rahum mean? Guilty, but will have mercy. So therefore, El, Rahum. El brings Rahum. But sometimes people are not worthy of mercy. To be worthy of mercy, you have to have something. But some people don't even deserve mercy. So you know what they need? They need what's called the freebie. You know what we call freebie in the Midot? Hanun. Hanun comes from the Lashon, Hindam. So sometimes the El cannot bring Rahum. The Eilas, they don't have Rahum. These guys are so bad. But you know what they will give them? Hanun. Give them a freebie. But sometimes they don't even deserve that. So he says, what's El Rahum v'Hanun? Erech Apayim. What is that? V'omer acharat Erech Apayim. He says, Da, ki yesh menabiriyot she'enu ra'oi lo l'Rahum ve'lo l'Hanun. Really, they should get punished. Midat El will come to save them. How? Hamtinu. He tells the Midat El tells the judgments. Wait a minute. 
לפלוני ואל תעשנו מיד. What does ערך הפיים mean? It's a hadush of the, of, the, of the Rav Yosef. You know what an af is? Hazak Baruch, a nose. The anger comes from the nose. Like it says in Kedia Shema, v'chara af. This is mashals now. Once the anger comes out of the nose, there's no returning it. You're going to laugh. But this is the only way I can explain the way he says it. You hear what I just said? Once the anger comes out of the nose, it's out already. There's no return. So what's the, what's, what's the advantage? How do you save uh, the anger coming out of the nose? How, how do you save that fuming from coming out? You make a longer nose. <laughs> I know you're going to laugh. Which means, uh, if the nose is longer, now it takes longer for the, for the anger to come out. It's a mashal. But that mashal is called erich apayim, which could also be read orich af. So midat el, it's mashal, just so you can understand it. That when the anger is coming out, and... God says, these guys have no worthy for the home, and they're not worthy for Hanun. So the angel, the elf comes along and says, but just have a little more patience. Don't let it come out. Maybe they'll make the Shubah, give them a, wait, do it tomorrow, do it. So that's called Erech Apayim. That's lengthening the, the af, lengthening the, 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 the area where the anger, where the anger comes out. And he says, Kilomar, Shema'arichim lozman, Ula yasin teshuvah. Va'afapisha af talui alav, Ma'arichim lo ha'af. It's like they, they lent in the af. Okay, so that's, then he has more on that. We're done with the last one. And he writes, there were, there, was, there were some people who knew how to elongate the anger and not to bring it. And the Gemara says there was a Gemara in, in Ta'anit. The Gemara refers to Rabban Gamliel. They refer to him as Balahotim. What does Balahotim mean? The one with the nose. Uh, what kind of uh, nicknaming the rabbi the one with the nose? And then the Kubalim explained, because he was the one who knew how to keep the anger in the nose of the Kibyachol of the judgments of Allah. So they're not nicknaming on his nose. Allah him, the one that was able to hold back the, the judgments. And then he comes along and he says that some people are not even worthy of that. So Erech Apaim Yav Rav Chesed. What is Rav Chesed? So he says something amazing. God has a scale of Averot. And God looks at the scale, there's more Averot than Mitzvot. God's in trouble. Rav Chesed does the following. Again, Midat El now. Comes and says, wait, we've got to save the guy. Okay, Rahum, no, he's not worthy. Hanun, no, not worthy. Erech no, not worthy. What are we going to do with the guy? Take two sins off the negative side. This is a big hadush. Ma'abir rishon rishon. We'll take two sins off. Now what happens to this guy if he's lucky? It balances. Beauty. Now if it balances, it's even, let's say. By taking the two sins off, let's say he gets to 50-50. Let's say, imagine. But it's not good to be 50-50. It's got a tilt. So what do they do? The ale puts his thumb on the scale and tilts it. That's called virav chesed. He tilts the scale... On the chesed side. These are all kindnesses. What, what do you mean? This is, it's, it's not even, it doesn't even sound just. <laughs> what is it? Mercy. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it. But God loves the people and those sadiqim that can activate me that ill, wonders will happen. And he writes, 
He'll take away the first two sins. It doesn't enter the minyan. Now, they don't get erased. I don't know where they go, but they don't count them. And then it says, If the scale is still equal, The midat el pushes the scale down. And then even if you don't have that, you get to the final midat called emet. What does emet do? Emet already is like it's almost too late. Now, okay, I'm done. Uh, that's it. Uh, I'm going. Uh, I understand this. Oh, that's fine. That's all right. I'm going, to, I'm going now. Not, not the rabbi. Now, which means like this. Emet. What does emet mean? You see, we're learning this pasuk here. Every word. Emet, he says, is let's say the person already, we couldn't save him. Now he's in Gehinam. Now he's suffering. Could you believe it? The Midat El will even go to Gehinam and make the guy's misery less miserable. How? That at the end of the punishment, the Midat El will start bringing in front of God the smallest mitzvot that this guy did, even nice words that he said to somebody. Uh, good morning, uh, you know, nice to see you. What you say, what, what is that? That's not such a big mitzvah. Well, when a guy's in the lower depths, Midat El will look for anything in order to say, so they, it pays to be nice. Because you never know that maybe that little nice item, the Midat El will be able to use, it. not on us, but uh, well, maybe, who knows what. My point is, <laughs> my point is, you never know. So therefore, he writes, all the good things that the person did, even a nice conversation, they mitigate the punishment. So that is emit. Emit means, listen, you got to be truthful. He did something good, but it's so minuscule. But emit says, you got to pay him for everything. And if you have to pay him for everything, even a nice good morning, a nice hello, or a nice warm word, Give it to me. And, and that will cause the punishment to be to be mitigated. And sometimes not only mitigated, but it'll actually bring him to Olam Abba. So anyway, you learned over here today. First of all, about this holy book, just to read some of the words from the Yosefik Echtilia. It's not read so many, so so much, at least in public. But okay, we had no choice to do it. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a great sefer. First of all, the zikhut of the author should stand for us, the fact that we revealed it. And the fact that we mentioned the Shem El... So HaKadosh Baruch Hu should uh, activate to the tzaddikim from the Sha'ari Urah, from his rabbi, Rabbi Avram Abu Afya, and all the great Kabbalists, we should be under the Shem El, like it says, Chesed El Kolayom, that when we're under the Shem El, it's Chesed Kolayom, it's kindness, and we should have the same blessings, Abraham, Zaken Babi Amin, Vashem Barachet Abraham, Bakol, Amen, Kenyan Amen. Question? Just in the beginning, you're saying how you should pray to change the pain. Should we also do this God for the school the Gemara says in Pesachim that if a person says I'm giving charity in order that my son should live the Gemara refers to him as Sadiq Amur Tosfot asks a question how can it be Sadiq Amur the Mishnah Perkavot says we should do our mitzvot without striving for reward and here the person is giving tzedakah because he wants a reward. And Tosfot answers a very, very important answer. That we're talking about over here, 
where he accepts that even if he doesn't get answers, he will not regret the giving of the tzedakah. So as long as they stipulate from the beginning, I'm doing this mitzvah because Hashem told me. Now, in the merit, I hope it'll be a, a, a zikhut for A. But even if it doesn't work out, I'm very fine and happy to do the mitzvah. That's like when the people give charity at the Chinese auction. And then after they don't win, they say, ah, I blew it, I gave all that money. Ya haram. Ya haram. You're supposed to say, I'm giving the charity because it's the right thing. If I win, I win. If I don't win, better than I gave it to Shem Shammai. That's a, a stipulation that, that, that should be made at the time when people do those type of mitzvot. And just uh, with the Midah of El, we're simple people. We're bring it down as well. That's why you have to pray for the zikhut of Abraham, zikhut of the tzaddikim. That's why we always mention Abraham. What are we mentioning Abraham? Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. We're connecting to your child. You brought that midah for strangers. Bring the midah for us. We need it. That's why we always are invoking Midat Avraham. And, and probably, probably the way, like the Moshe Cordovero writes in his Sefer, this is again overtime, but Rabbi Moshe Cordovero writes that the way we activate the Midot is modeling the Midot. So when we show a non-judgmental kindness to people, when we just, you know, uh, say, what are you doing with that? You know, like, uh, I'm not judging, uh, Hashem doesn't judge. Total kindness without any rhyme or reason so that activates the midot as well. And that's probably what Abraham did. But on our level as well, we can activate these midot through modeling the midah. And there's one more thing. When we ask Hashem... But there's a limit. There's only two questions. Okay. <laughs> I'll take two questions. Okay, fine. But um, when we're asking um, so much, is it also like the Midah of Hashem? Like when we ask Hashem to forgive us, is it If you're asking a person, it probably gets annoying after a certain amount of time. But God is unlimited in patience. When we say that God is uh, God is I'll say, I'll say it like this. Um, when we say in the tefillah of the Amidah, Hashivenu Abinu leToratecha bekarabenu davatech b'hazirim b'tshuva shuva baruch ata Hashem harosei b'tshuva. Harosei b'tshuva is in the in the in the in the present. Harosei b'tshuva, which teaches us that no matter how many times. Go to the next barakah, it's more clearer. Hanun ha-marbe God is not only hanun, but he's marbe. Marbe means he forgives in abundance. Marbe l'slawah. Now, you hurt me the first time, I'll say, don't worry about it. Second time, okay, it was the second time already. <laughs> okay, I forgive you. Third time, I'm machshemoh, uh, you killed the guy. What are you doing over here? What do you think over here? I'm not, I'm not God. How many times are you going to step on my foot? Where God, thank God, is marbe l'slawah. It means... And you have to believe that. that you're never annoying him and it's never a burden. It's not, God's patience is, is, is vast. It's an infinite. So it's never, it's never a burden. We, we, we cannot uh, uh, superimpose our weaknesses on HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaSvashem. We think, well, no, I, I would feel that way. You're right. That's why you're not God. Hashem is different, uh, different midot. His midot are, are eternal. In that sense. Wow. All right.